Tonight on Throwback Thursday, as Tune FM celebrates 50 years in 1987. We're breezing through the year 1987, including the debut of The Simpsons characters, Ronald Reagan's famous speech at the Berlin Wall, and the induction of the very first woman into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Can you guess who it was? Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The answer to that and plenty more coming up in Throwback Thursday 1987, helping Tune FM celebrate 50 years. You certainly are listening to Throwback Thursday 1987. My name is Jake and I am your host for another Throwback Thursday. We're going to be talking about some significant events that happened in the year 1987. A bit of a flashback if you were around back then or if a bit of a uh, an informative show, I'm sure, if you were not. We're going to be talking about uh, the very first sighting of the Simpsons characters or their very first involvement in uh, any sort of uh, piece of animation. We're going to have uh, Ronald Reagan's uh, famous tear down this wall speech. And a little bit later, we're going to be talking about the very first woman ever to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1987. But we're going to kick it off with The Simpsons. How can you not know what The Simpsons is? The animated sitcom created by Matt Groening for Fox, uh, which is now, of course, owned by Disney. So if you want to binge all 31 seasons, no less, you will catch it on Disney+. Plus. It's a satirical depiction of working-class life epitomized by The Simpson family, which consists of Homer, Marge, Bart, Lisa, and Maggie, set in the fictional town of Springfield and parodying American culture and society, television, and the human condition. It's a wonderful show. It's uh, renowned for its cutting satire, its uh, accessibility to a whole lot of different ages. You'll, you'll find jokes that you'll appreciate at pretty much any age watching The Simpsons. And it's also appreciated for its uh, cultural, its intriguing cultural adaptation over the course of about 30 to 40 years of being in existence with the uh, many things that it seems to have predicted uh, and its uh, changing view on the world in terms of uh, how politics in America has changed and how the world has changed and how the Simpsons have changed to suit. But uh, they first, the, the characters that we, we know and love were first seen in the year 1987. The Simpson family first appeared as shorts on the Tracy Ullman show on the 19th of April, 1987. Matt Groening submitted some basic sketches to the animators and assumed that the figures would be cleaned up in production, but, however, they merely retraced his drawings, which led to some rather crude appearances of the characters in the initial shorts, which The Simpsons themselves have actually parodied many times, the slightly rough versions of themselves. The animation was produced at Class Class B Chupo with uh, Wes Archer, David Silverman, and Bill Kopp being animators for the first season. Colorist Georgie Palouse was the person who decided to make the characters yellow. So there you go. That's where that came from. 
uh, and it would take until 1989 before The Simpsons would be developed into a half-hour series for Fox. But we first saw The Simpsons come into uh, the world in 1987. Uh, looking at its history, because I don't imagine we'll come back to it when we get up to 1989, uh, a team of production companies adapted The Simpsons into that half-hour series that, series that we know and love today uh, that included the original Class B Chupo an Animation House, um, as well as producer James L. Brooks uh, fully getting on board, which he still is to this day, and still has been to this day. Um, he negotiated a provision in the contract with the Fox network uh, that prevented Fox from interfering with the show's content. That's why you'll still see today uh, The Simpsons making fun of Fox a little bit, having a bit of a go at them, and uh, having quite significantly more liberal pol political uh, opinions than what Fox uh, tends to have. As you might know, in America in particular, um, when you think about Fox News, you think about the, the very conservative kind of media, Fox News, very avid Republican supporters, currently very much behind the, the campaign of Donald Trump as opposed to, to Joe Biden. Uh, while the Simpsons tend to be, they have a little bit more of it. While they they satirize both sides of politics, but they do have a little bit more of a, a liberal outlook historically. And the reason that they get away with that is this uh, inclusion in their contract that Fox actually can't interfere with any of the show's content. But apparently it was successful enough that Fox wanted to keep it on board anyway. Uh, Matt Groening, the create, creator, said that his goal in creating The Simpsons was to offer the audience an alternative to what he called the mainstream trash that they were watching. And, uh, well, some would argue that nowadays The Simpsons is that mainstream trash, but take that as you will. The first full-length episode, titled Some Enchanted Evening, was produced and didn't broadcast until about May 1990 as the last episode of the first season because of some animation problems. Um, but it would eventually kick off. It's now gone for 31 seasons, a total of 684 episodes of between 21 and 24 minutes each. Uh, it's absolutely a, a cultural phenomenon. Uh, you, you can probably name at least a dozen characters from The Simpsons, whether you've seen it or not, uh, featuring some incredible voice actors who are now some of the most renowned in the world, including... Dan Castellaneta, Julie Kavner, Nancy Cartwright, Yeardley Smith, Hank Azaria, uh, Harry Shearer. Uh, it's got that iconic theme music by Danny Elfman. And of course, it's, I would argue, probably uh, the, most the best and most successful uh, animated satire of all time. It also kind of spawned a genre in a sense. That animated satire, we saw Matt Groening create uh, Futurama as well a little bit later on, and it spawned plenty more nowadays as well. Seth MacFarlane is another one renowned for it, uh, the man behind Family Guy and American Dad and The Cleveland Show. You've also got uh, uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone behind South Park. There's plenty of others as well. Um, that are like Bob's Burgers, that sort of thing, uh, that have also become very popular in their own right. So The Simpsons is an absolute cultural phenomenon in terms of uh, setting the, the marker for essentially a new genre. And it came into existence on The Tracy Ullman Show on the 19th of April, 1987.
Good to know that Tune is much, much older than The Simpsons, as old as we tend to think The Simpsons is. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. When we come back, we're going to be talking about something a little bit more serious that happened in 1987, a very famous speech by US President Ronald Reagan at the Berlin Wall. That coming up very soon, we're going to go to a song break. Uh, Coming up, we have a little bit of U2.
I still haven't found what I'm looking for by you too. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. Welcome back to Throwback Thursday 1987. Well, we're going to be talking now about the Berlin Wall speech on the 12th of June 1987. It was a speech delivered by United States President Ronald Reagan in West Berlin, calling for the General Secretary of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev, to open the Berlin Wall. The Berlin Wall had separated West and East Berlin since 1961. Of course, Berlin was divided between uh, basically US and Soviet Union uh, allegiances as was West and East Germany, uh, basically since uh, after World War II. There used to be freedom of movement between the two, but as the West became more economically successful and uh, a capitalist society and became uh, more progressive as well, uh, plenty of people attempted to migrate from the east of Berlin into the west of Berlin and the east of Germany into the west of Germany. And the Soviet Union essentially built a wall to prevent that from happening and completely restricted movement between the two. Uh, the, the speech is also known as Tear Down This Wall, which is derived from a key line in the middle of the speech, Mr. Gorbachev, Tear Down This Wall. The speech actually received relatively little media coverage at the time, but it became widely known in 1989 after the Berlin Wall would actually fall. Uh, and that's when it, Reagan's speech became much more famous. It was not the first time that Reagan had addressed the issue of the Berlin Wall. In a visit to West Berlin in 1982, he stated, I'd like to ask the Soviet leaders one question. Why is the wall there? In 1986, 25 years after the construction of the wall, in response to the West German newspaper Bild Zeitung asking when he thought the wall could be removed, he said, I call upon those responsible to dismantle it today. One, on the day before his visit in 1987, 50,000 people had demonstrated against the presence of Reagan in Berlin. Uh, and during the visit itself, wide swaths of Berlin were closed off to prevent further anti-Reagan protests. Uh, but it was pretty well received, actually, when Reagan called for the Berlin Wall to be pulled down. But there was a little bit of controversy, particularly from the West towards it. It was a very complex economic situation after Germany was split in two. Essentially, as we said, one side, uh, similar to what happened with uh, the separation of Korea, one side became capitalist, the other side became communist. Obviously, one system worked much, much better than the other, and West Germany became a very economically uh, stable and successful and prosperous place in Europe. Uh, while East Germany was uh, living under rather squalid conditions and people were struggling quite a bit. So, of course, East Germany wanted the wall to be taken down. They received Reagan's comments very well, and there were lots of calls to Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev to tear down the wall. Uh, however, the West didn't receive that quite as well because they saw it as a threat to their economic prosperity to have to reunify with the other side of Germany. Of course, it had been at that point uh, 40 years since the end of World War II. Germany hadn't been a unified country in almost half a century. So, uh, of course, people were very divided on the issue despite uh, the, the absolutely uh, heroic moment in history that we see it as today when the Berlin Wall came uh, tumbling down. 
It, it drew controversy within the Reagan administration as well. Several of Reagan's senior staffers and aides advised against uh, the speech and, and the phrase tear down this wall, saying that anything that might cause further East-West Germany tensions or potential embarrassment to Gorbachev, with, with, which, with whom uh, Reagan had built quite a good relationship considering the Cold War that had continued for quite some time, uh, they shouldn't say anything that was going to spark those tensions. American officials in West Germany and presidential speechwriters actually thought otherwise, though. So it was a very controversial speech, and perhaps Reagan would have seen it as a good thing that it didn't receive very much media attention at first. Uh, Reagan arrived in Berlin on the 12th of June, 1987. They were taken to the Reichstag, uh, where they viewed the wall from a balcony. He then made his speech at the famous Brandenburg Gate at 2 p.m. in front of two panes of bulletproof glass to protect him. Among the spectators were West German President Richard von Weizsäcker, uh, Chancellor of Germany Helmut Kohl, and West Berlin Mayor Eberhard Diebgen. Uh, he said, Mr. Gorbachev, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, as was, became very famous. Later on, he's also famous for saying, as I looked out a moment ago from the Reichstag, that embodiment of German unity, I noticed words crudely spray painted upon the wall, perhaps by a young Berliner, this wall will fall, beliefs become reality. Yes, across Europe, this wall will fall, for it cannot withstand faith, it cannot withstand truth, the wall cannot withstand freedom. Uh, another highlight of the speech was Reagan's call to end the arms race with his reference to the Soviets' SS-20 nuclear weapons. And uh, Reagan was uh, quite renowned for being a significant figure in drawing to a close the, the Cold War, although some would argue that it still does uh, continue to some extent to this day, despite the Soviet Union no longer existing. Uh, obviously, Russia and Russian President Vladimir Putin still providing uh, plenty of tension between the two countries. The speech received relatively little coverage from the media, as we said. Um, plenty of people were critical of it. Um, East Germany's communist rulers were not very impressed. They dismissed it as a bit of an absurd demonstration. But of course, uh, as we said, the East German people received it quite well because they didn't. Uh, they they were not very uh, prosperous under those communist leaders. But of course, uh, as ten tended to be the case with uh, with communist nations at the time, uh, there was quite a bit of a disconnect between what the people wanted and what the leaders wanted. Uh, the Soviets also accused Reagan of being openly provocative and even warmongering. But in 1989, eventually, the wall would come down. And in 2019, actually, a bronze statue of Ronald Reagan has been unveiled near the site of the speech uh, to commemorate the occasion. So uh, I, I like the fact that it was not quite so well received at first. But of course, now we look back on it as such an historic moment and such an incredible moment in history, that wonderful speech by President Ronald Reagan. Well, we're going to go back to the music up next. Uh, coming up very soon, we are going to be hearing about another very interesting moment in history in 1987, the very first woman to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'll let you guess who it might have been while we go to a song from Michael Jackson. I'm telling 
That was Bad by Michael Jackson. Welcome back to Throwback Thursday 1987 here on 106.9 Tune FM. Well, we're going to play a little bit of a guessing game for the last segment of today's show. We're going to be talking about the very first woman ever to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I'm going, I'm not going to tell you who it is straight away. I'm going to see if you can guess. It was an American singer, songwriter, actress, pianist, civil rights activist. She began her career as a child singing gospel at the New Bethel Baptist Church in Detroit, Michigan, where her father was a minister. At the age of 18, she embarked on a secular music career as a recording artist for Columbia Records. Her career didn't immediately flourish, but she eventually found acclaim and commercial success after singing with Atlantic Records in 1966 with such hit songs as I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You, Respect, You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman, Chain of Fools, Think, and I Say a Little Prayer, propelling her past her musical careers. By the end of the 60s, she'd become known as the Queen of Soul. She continued to record acclaimed albums such as I Never Loved the Man Man the Way I Loved You in 67, Lady Soul in 68, Spirit in the Dark in 70, Young, Gifted and Black in 72, Amazing Grace also in 72, and Sparkle in 76, before she would experience problems with her record company. She would leave Atlantic in 1979 and assign with Arista Records and would appear in the 1980 film The Blues Brothers before releasing the successful albums Jump To It in 82, Who's Zoom and Who in 85, and her self-titled album in 86 on the Arista label. In 1998, she would return to the top 40 with the Lauryn Hill-produced song A Rose Is Still A Rose, and later she released an album of the same name which would become certified gold. That very same year, she earned international acclaim for her performance of Nessun Dorma at the Grammy Awards. She had filled in at the last minute for Luciano Pavarotti, who cancelled his appearance after the show had already begun. So she didn't have any preparation. Uh, in a widely noted performance, she also paid tribute in 25- to 2015 honoree Carol King by singing You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman at the Kennedy Center Honors. She charted 112 singles on Billboard, including 77 Hot 100 entries, 17 Top 10 Pop Singles, 100 R&B entries, and 20 Number 1 R&B Singles. She won 18 Grammy Awards, including the first eight awards ever given for Best Female R&B Vocal Performance between 1968 and 1975. She won them all. She's considered one of the best-selling music artists of all time. She's sold more than 75 million records worldwide. She received numerous honors throughout her career. She was awarded the National Medal of Arts, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Of course, as we mentioned, in 1987, she became the first female performer to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She was also inducted into the UK Music Hall of Fame in 2005 uh, and into the Gospel Music Hall of Fame in 2012. In 2010, Rolling Stone magazine ranked her number one on its list of the 100 greatest singers of all time and number nine on its list of the 100 greatest artists of all time. The Pulitzer Prize jury in 2019 awarded her a posthumous special citation for her indelible contribution to American music and culture for more than five decades. Can you guess who was the first female artist to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Well, I will tell you, it is the wonderful Aretha Franklin. 
who was uh, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1987. And uh, what a deserving candidate she truly is. Well, that's going to draw to a close this episode of Throwback Thursday. Don't forget to join us at the same time next week as we move on to the year 1988. Double eight. Pretty exciting stuff. There's some great things that happened in 1988, and I can't wait to discuss them with you. In the meantime, we're going to finish this show with an Aretha Franklin song uh, to really recognize how beautiful of a singer she was and how worthy she was of that induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Don't forget to join us at the same time next week. Uh, Don't forget about our other shows here on 106.9 Tune FM. Jake breaks the news tomorrow at 5 o'clock, right before the weekly review at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. And, of course, Ben will be taking you through uh, way back when on Saturday evening as well. The Gaming Society are back on Monday evenings. There's plenty here for you on 106.9 Tune FM. So uh, don't go anywhere. Make sure you stay tuned on 106.9 or stream us at tunefm.net. Thank you for joining. And this is Aretha Franklin to see you out. So uninspired